This is the Firearms Trainers Podcast, Season 2, Episode 20, published on January 18th, 2022. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and our topic today is non-firearm instructor training. Our podcast is part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by XS Sites, the best sites made in Texas. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com and learn more about their instructor coverage offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. I just sent them a request last week for four certificates of insurance, and the next day I had those in my email. Great organization to work with. This episode is also brought to you by XS Sites with Glowdot Technology and proprietary photoluminescent materials. This gives you the high contrast options to aid in site acquisition. Multiple color options are available for your vision preference. Remember, we bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by Matthew Mallory. Welcome, Matthew. How are things going with you today? I'm doing awesome, sir. Thank you so much for having me on. Not a problem at all. That you've been on before, but for those listeners who may not have caught your intro previously, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. Uh, Army vet from the 90s, uh, current part-time law enforcement officer, uh, teach at the academy and service training for officers in New York State. I pretty much teach full-time, uh, do a little bit of side stuff uh, as far as farming and have an Airbnb that we run as well. But my primary business is uh, teaching classes to the masses. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, today's topic I thought was really apropos to have you on talk about it because a lot of what we talk about on the podcast is about firearms, but from an instructor standpoint, we also realize there's a lot of times when firearms aren't necessarily the appropriate thing to you know bring up or it's in a non-permissive environment uh, for one reason or the other. And you teach a couple of different instructor courses that I think would be very apropos that our listeners might be interested in. Um, can you tell us about your OC course that you are, are teaching uh, this I'd year? Love yeah, I'd love to. So uh, uh, Sabre, Sabre does a, a pepper spray instructor certification, and I'm one of four master instructors in the world that can teach that. So I've uh, been teaching it for a couple of years now, going into two years, I think it is. And I did five classes last year, and currently around the country, I've got about 14 or 15 classes booked uh, traveling out through July in Alaska, where I'll be certifying people to teach their, their how to use their products or how to use pepper spray in general, if you will. Um, a lot of people, <clears throat> excuse me, even people in the classes, instructors that are in the classes, some of them have said that people have said to them, well, it's pepper spray. You should, you know, what's so hard about using pepper spray? And, you know, my rebuttal to that is, well, how do you hold it? Show me how you hold a can of pepper spray. Put a pen in your hand and, and hold it. Are you using your thumb or are you using your index finger like you're spraying hairspray? And that right there would be a good indication whether that instructor could tell them, well, let me let you think about it this way, right? You're not putting hairspray on the bad guy. You're using pepper spray. You're going to have more strength with your thumb. You can turn and punch if you need to. For whatever reason, you run out of pepper spray. It doesn't work because they're on drugs or you miss them or they cover up or whatever. Um, you've got a backup plan B. So there are you know, formulated classes that people should think about when it comes to stuff like pepper spray because you don't know what you don't know. And you and I both know we take classes from other instructors because 
even at our level, we don't know everything. Mm -hmm. um, or, or even if there is something that we're taking a class that we think we know everything in the class, we're still going to come away from it learning something, even if it's something, a different way to teach somebody or get it across to somebody that's beneficial. Right. And I think one of the things with pepper spray that uh, thinking that you just spray it at the bad guys oversimplification. Yes. Sure. You're, you're going to spray it toward that person. But we had Chuck Haggard on the podcast uh, last year, and he was talking about, you know, where do you aim? You know, do you aim for the eyes? You, you know, he was actually saying, you know, aim for the forehead so that it can drip down into the person's eyes and different things. And those are some of the minute things that even as instructors, um, as we go along in our learning uh, adventures, uh, we find little nuances about how to better grip a gun, how to better go along and line the sights, draw. And that's the same thing. I, I see it when it comes to like OC spray. I mean, it's not something you're just going to pick up and naturally know how to use. Yes, you can naturally spray it, but are you able to be effective in being able to stop that threat? Because some of the threats are going to be two-legged. Some of the threats are going to be four-legged. And those are, you got to know how to, how to defend against them both because from being a, you know, a responsibly armed citizen, you want to be prepared for whatever comes along. You don't want to say, well, wait a minute. Nobody ever told me what to do about a dog. So I, I can't do anything now. And uh, that, that's where your course, I think would be very uh, interesting to uh, take. Yeah, and you know it's it's neat that Chuck says that I, I didn't know that I haven't studied under Chuck nor is he under I and I uh, I say the same thing usually is just you know you spray for the forehead the the concept across the eyes is what we teach in the saber class but I also tell you that the likelihood that you're going to hit them directly across the eyes when you're moving and they're moving and everybody's adrenaline's going is isn't as likely so you know, you hitting them in the forehead especially if they have glasses on it's going to hit them in the forehead and drip down into their eyes regardless if they have glasses or not so that is a you know that is a good um you know good thought process in that but even things like which hand do you use it with i've i've personally seen law enforcement officers and we see the cases all the time with the kim potter case where they're pulling a weapon with their dominant hand and using it incorrectly negligently however you want to say right like she thought she was pulling her taser but she pulled the firearm and she shot the guy instead of tasing him so i teach we can carry for pepper spray and tasers, whether it's law enforcement, excuse me, or a civilian, both individuals, law enforcement, civilian, I say we can carry because it doesn't take that much strength or that much dexterity to be able to deploy pepper spray or a taser with your weak hand. And crap, the taser's got a laser. So it mm -hmm. makes it even, even easier in that case, right? A red dot or a red laser, that is. Yeah. And I, I would say, you know, advantage there too is to make sure that you know, as you're deploying one of your defensive means, uh, you know, the OC spray, you've got the ability to go along to up the, the ante, you know, and if you have to grab your firearm or take and push somebody out of the way or go along and unlock a door, or go along, get your keys, sure. you know, whatever the situation comes down to, we all put, we put stuff that we want readily at hand and in our dominant side of our, of our bodies. And if we go along, we use our dominant hand to do something and we have to unlock the car that's going to be really hard to do by reaching across and, and grabbing our pants, you know, opposite hand and pulling keys out or trying to open a door that we're not normally, you know, twisting with our non-dominant hand. So that's a, that's a good skill to make sure that we uh, practice and, and make our students aware of also. Yeah, for sure. You know, the, the other things that I'll, I'll have people say, or they'll ask questions about is shaking it. And when does it expire? And we cover that in the class too, as far as you don't need to shake it anymore because it's emulsified enough for all the product is homogenized into one 
uh, fluid liquid, but also when does it expire? Why does it expire? Pepper doesn't expire. It's usually the seal inside that, that cracks and leaks and, and then the propellant leaks out and then the pepper spray is not going to work. It's just going to dribble down your finger. Um, when you had mentioned uh, having your, your dominant hand available and being able to pull the firearm, and that's exactly why I instruct or give the, the knowledge to students to carry it on their weak side, their support side, whatever you want to call it, and utilizing it, used to being able to deploy it. Um, but also, if you have your firearm in one hand, you can escalate and de-escalate back and forth. So if you pull the pepper spray out and they're like, they come running, they stop and they look, they go, oh, it's just pepper spray. And they decide to pick it up and they pull a knife like, hey, you brought pepper spray to a knife fight. Well, then you can pull your firearm, <laughs> your firearm out, you know, and then if they're like, oh, and they stop. And then they back down, but they drop the knife and come running at you without the knife. And now they're back to their hands. It might not be as justified to shoot them, but hey, you got the pepper spray still in your hand. And I've seen it when I teach taser. I do taser instructor class for uh, officers in New York State that want to carry a taser, a CED. We call it conducted energy device. New York State doesn't like the word weapon, so we can't call it a CEW, conducted energy weapon. <laughs> but um <laughs> I've seen it there in, in training where officers have pulled their, ta their taser out with their dominant hand. And then, you know, I've done video scenarios. I use laser ammo, smokeless range, pull that up and have somebody at the door and they pull their taser out and point it out. And then I'm like, all right, let's see what's going to happen. I hit K on the keyboard. Person turns around, pulls the gun out. The officer freezes. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? And then they reholster their taser and pull their gun. I'm like, you don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. if, you had it, if you had it in your weak hand, you could have easily pulled your firearm out or deployed the taser as you're pulling the firearm. So it, give, it gives you more options. But another misnomer a lot of times that I run into too is bear spray and bee spray, you know, bear spray and bee spray. So well, I'm just spraying with bear spray. Well, a lot of people don't know, like New York state, you can buy bear spray, but you're not supposed to use bear spray on anything but bears. If you use bear mm -hmm. spray on somebody who's not a bear, it'll look like a bear, may growl like a bear. <laughs> but if you use it on somebody who's not a bear, New York state, you could get hosed up with that. Yep, that's an off-label use, and that's not a good thing to good thing to be caught caught up. And same thing with the uh, uh, bee spray or wasp spray that some people Correct. go along and talk about. It doesn't work the way that people think it it would. And at the same time, uh, you know, depending on how aggressive a prosecutor or you know a civil defense attorney wants to be, you know, they could they could push a pretty good case that you know your use of doing something off-label, even though it was maybe legal you know, could potentially get uh, put you into trouble because it caused other harm. Yeah. I mean, it says it right, right on the can, not intended for any purpose other than, or it's against federal law, whatever it says, but it's definitely a crime federally. Would you be charged? I don't know. Why do you want to bother with even thinking you're going to be charged? I have this thing that I call a uh, higher level of thinking that I'm always trying to get my students to think about, you know, just because the law says you may, or maybe doesn't say that you can't doesn't mean you must. And if you, if you do something right, that doesn't mean you're going to be away from the other. I, and I coined a phrase called the four horses of your apocalypse. So criminal, civil, mental, and jury of public opinion, just because the law says you may that criminal aspect that you won't be charged doesn't mean civilly, mentally, and jury of public opinion aren't going to take effect in your life. And we've seen that firsthand with the Rittenhouse case, how mm -hmm. that's turned out. Exactly. He, you know, he tries to go to college down in Arizona, you know, thousand miles away from uh, Wisconsin and, you know, look how much hassle he's gotten into down there. And yep. he was found innocent. Uh, yep. You know, doesn't matter what we think about, you know, I mean, we could think, you know, he deserves something, but you know, the, in the court uh, system and the jury found him innocent, but at the same time, he's got to deal with the public opinion and he probably will it, you know, 
for the rest of his life. It's just like George Zimmerman. If somebody, if somebody went along and uh, saw Jim, George Zimmerman walking down the street or saw a name on an application for a job for whatever, that said George Zimmerman, I bet you, you know, they'd look up real quick and wonder if that's the same George Zimmerman or not. Yep, for sure. Yeah, I just uh, I was down in Florida, down there teaching back in December, and my wife and I took him and his uh, his fiance out to dinner, and yeah, I mean that you, you run into that. That actually, the interview that I did with George back in October of 2018, I was the fifth person ever to interview George Zimmerman in person, and Amelan published my article. Um, that interview is what caused me, based on interviewing him, finding out everything about the case that I could, and writing that article. That pushed me to write or come up with the four horses of your apocalypse, coining that and coming up with that idea, that thought process that there's, you know, multiple av- avenues. And even in some of those, there's other layers of the onion, such as the criminal, right? It's just not like in George's case where you've got the uh, DA in another county in the state actually takes the case, which is unheard of, but technically, legally, obviously is possible. And that happened or the case where the gentleman in Florida shoved uh, the guy to the ground and the guy on the ground pulled his gun out and pointed at him two and a half second pause. And he discharged the gun. Local DA says, yeah, stand your ground. We're not charging, but the state's attorney general takes the case. So Mm -hmm. that's another level of criminal or Rittenhouse where they're talking about bringing uh, charges at the department of justice, the federal level. Because mm-hmm. they didn't get get the verdict they want, right? I mean, we're we're in a really rough situation now, which brings us back to our original topic, Rob. As far as having less lethal items on you, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll make the joke with people: if all you're carrying around is a gun, and you have no less lethal item on you, and you get into an altercation and you use the gun, somebody's going to make it seem as if all you wanted to do is shoot everybody, because that's all you had on you for. A defensive tool. And if we look at it like law enforcement, law enforcement have a duty belt full of tools, right? And if I tell somebody, ma'am, you need to sit down and I ask her to sit down and she doesn't sit down, I can't pull my gun out and just shoot her because she doesn't sit down. There's other tools that I need to go to prior to using the gun. Mm-hmm. Gun is a last resort. So I always tell people, if you carry a lethal, a lethal weapon, gun or knife or multiple, like I do, um, then you better be carrying less lethal pepper spray, taser, stun gun, shoot, even a flashlight where you could strobe somebody with it, hit them with it as a blunt force object. If they get close enough, if you need to a tactical pen, those things are better than nothing. And you can fly with a tactical pen and you can typically, uh, unless TA is really, really looking for a new tactical pen, but um, you can fly with typically fly with a tactical pen and a flashlight. And that could double. I mean, I'd rather have a flashlight on me against somebody who's got a, a, a shank, right? They, cut a butter knife or whittle the butter knife down into a knife. I'd rather have a flashlight on me than my bare hands against some, you know, an edged weapon like that. Yep, definitely. Well, hey, you, you touched on uh, one other thing I think would be interesting to hear a little bit more about, but taser and, yes. you know, their, their program for it. Um, what can you tell us about the, the taser uh, program? So currently they've got um, an online class. Uh, it's in person, I should say. So a virtual class and um, it's three, about three hours. You do that. Uh, they'll mail you out the device with a couple cartridges and a target, and you have to on video or picture of you deploying the cartridges. Then you mail the device back to them, and once they get that, then they don you as a, a, a taser instructor. They've changed the name of it. It's, it used to be called CEW, now it's called EW, so electronic weapons, because they also, <coughs> excuse me, in the class, um, they also go over uh, stun guns. 
So, you know, the flat, the flashlights, a strike light, uh, and some of the other devices that they've come out with. And they've got some other uh, variants of it too. So the Taser Pulse Plus is the main one. It's got Bluetooth in the battery that uh, will actually go to the Noonlight app and then dial out to 911 if, uh, you know, if you uh, have, have to deploy the, the Taser. And then they have the uh, the Pulse, which doesn't have the Bluetooth, so it's a little cheaper. Uh, but they also have some some other types of them out there. The obviously the law enforcement ones that everybody's typically familiar with, the X twenty six and the X two. Um, but they have an X seven as well. So there's a, newer variants, newer types that people could use for home defense or in public if they wanted to. But the the Pulse and the Pulse Plus are nice concealable small uh, tasers that'll actually uh, uh, be good for conceal carry if you will and one of one of the nice things about taser if i remember uh from their program is if you deploy it in a self-defense situation they will replace it yeah yeah all they want to know they want to know the story which i get it. it's a company they're going to give you a 450 dollars device for free because mm -hmm. they want you to set it down leave it there and get out of dodge that's why it's got a 30 second that's the other difference between the civilian version and the law enforcement version the law enforcement version is five seconds well, five seconds, but law enforcement, usually SOP, depending on department, is up to three iterations of that, okay? The civilian version, the Pulse and the Pulse Plus is 30 seconds. And the reason for that is, is they want you to deploy it, sit it down, and then get the heck out of Dodge so that you're safe, right? That's the whole mm -hmm. purpose. Because if we go back to that thought process, law enforcement go towards the gunshots and civilians should be running away from the gunshots. So that fits perfectly with that narrative of don't be in the fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, see another day, see your family. You know, those are, sure. those are what people are, you know, from a self-defense standpoint should be thinking about um, yeah. when they're carrying them, when they're, they get involved in something, you know, they're not, they're not getting paid to, to solve the problem. They're, they're just going along and getting their butts out of the problem. It, it's kind of cool that a, a few years ago, well, geez, it's probably been five or six years ago now, I went to a refresher for Art of 35 use of force uh, law enforcement class that I had to do to, to keep up to par on that so I could keep teaching at the academies and whatnot. And one of the instructors, uh, he actually had a profound question for everybody in the, in the audience, all the other law enforcement officers. And I really thought it was awesome. And I, I've changed it and tweaked it a little bit to fit my needs for my, my civilian um, clientele. But in the gist of it, and I'll pose this to your listening audience, I want everybody out there to think of two people that you care about deeply and that they care about you deeply. And you die like that. You're gone. You're done. Right? Emotionally or financially and or financially, they're going to be devastated because you're no longer around. So you owe it to them not to be in the fight. Don't take unnecessary choices, unnecessary decisions, right? Do is like John Farnham says, don't go to stupid places, stupid people, stupid times, do stupid things. So your <laughs> life doesn't become stupid. I love that. It's genius. Mm -hmm. But then when you're in the middle of it, that doesn't mean that it's over. Do everything you can to get out of it, right? And then last resort, use the firearm because that mental part of that for horses of your apocalypse, okay, you're going to be, it's going to hurt you. I mean, ask Thomas Yoxall. We interviewed him on our show, Meet the Pressers. Yep. You know, Th Thomas, that that that's that shows you right there. You did everything right, but it still takes a toll on your on your mental capacity. There's nothing in this world worth dying for other than somebody we love. And why the hell are we fighting over a TV that neither of us can take to the grave? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Very good thoughts. Very good thoughts there, Matthew. And that's why we have you on, because you got Thanks. those good th good thoughts and everything. <laughs>
<laughs> I try. I really try. Sometimes it, I'll make a joke and I think it's funny in my head, but then yeah, nobody laughs. Yeah. <laughs> hey, one, one other thing for um, less than lethal um, instructor yeah. training, such that you do is uh, UTM training. Yes. Tell us, tell training. Us a, yeah. You tell us a little bit about that. Um, we yeah, haven't talked sure. about that in, uh, in probably almost two years now. So it's probably a good, good topic to bring up again. Perfect. So in conjunction with the Sabre uh, pepper spray, civilian pepper spray instructor class that I'm teaching, I'm also doing the first ever UTM, Ultimate Training Munitions, uh, civilian, certified civilian instructor training around the country. Um, I'm traveling all over doing that, and people are hosting me to come in, and we're basically going over the products, getting people familiar with the products, but we're helping instructors take it to the next level. Civilian instructors who teach civilians how to teach civilians how to fight through the, the emotional dump, fight through that adrenaline dump, and be able to actually keep their wits about them and, and revert to their, their training, right? Look into the hippocampus after your amygdala gets hijacked and actually pull out tangible training. And the only way to do that is to do it as realistic as possible. Before the UTM stuff and before I offered that force-on-force reality-based training to my students, um, I do a lot of laser classes. So I'd have the smokeless range. I do the NRA Simcoe. Uh, I do a, a custom design course I call Draw, Shoot, and Reholster because the major majority of people shoot themselves while they're drawing or reholstering the gun. So mm-hmm. I did this with a laser. Use We lose... Um, we use uh, the certs and we have people draw, shoot at the, at the targets and then reholster the gun. We go through that over and over and we move them into basically the smokeless range where we've got the video scenario trainer from laser ammo. We're having them do video scenarios and try to get the adrenaline going and, you know, the audio exclusion, time dilation, loss dexterity, tunnel vision, adrenaline dump, minus the bullets whizzing by your head. That's where the Force on force, the UTM stuff, ultimate training munitions comes mm-hmm. in. Now you got now you got bullets whizzing by your head. Somebody's yep. shooting you with a wax projectile going 310 to 375 uh almost said miles per hour, but <laughs> <laughs> feet per second, right? So you got this wax projectile flying by you and you get that old flinch factor. It's really brings it to that next level where it's not just a one-sided gunfight. Now it's a two-sided gunfight. Uh yeah, I mean it, it just it's the realism that's there. We've, I've got some phenomenal, phenomenal people that have come to the class that have been, they've done Masada Ubes classes. Uh, um, you know, they've done training with Gibbons. They've done NRA, USCCA, military, law enforcement, current law enforcement, all in the two classes that I've done so far, the one in Florida in December and the one in Indiana um, just this past weekend um, in January. I've had a huge breadth of people. I, we had three come over from the U.S. Virgin Islands ecstatic about bringing this kind of training back to their students because they're missing it. Right. I mean, down there, everybody's carrying, everybody's shooting at each other. <laughs> like it's like a, it's like a war zone down there. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're even, you know, they're even more. And, and rightfully so in Indiana, right down the road from Chicago, the people in the class this past weekend said the same thing. Like I got to teach my students. They, one of the guys in the class said that they, they had a student that was in a gunfight, got shot in the leg. And then a week, a few days later came to one of their classes. I was like, Wow, man, that that's takes, hardcore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, why are you limping, dude? Well, I just got shot in the leg last week, but I'm all right. <laughs> just a flesh wound. <laughs> so that's the UTM, yeah, <laughs> the UTM. It was through and through, by the way. <laughs> but UTM's, uh, you know, it's the cream of the crop. It's bringing it to that next level where we're dressing people up in protective gear. We're going over, we're going over uh, protocols and safety rules and stuff to make sure that we're, we're definitively separating where we're aiming uh, converted and checked, double check, triple check gun at each other. So we don't have a, you know, a Baldwin effect. That's a new term I just coined on your show, by the way, Baldwin. Okay. 
we'll uh, we'll make we'll make note of that <laughs> baldwin effect okay I don't know. Somebody else probably already said that, but I'll take claim to it unless somebody tells me they came up with it first before mm. today. <laughs> Register in Google. Yeah. Let me write that down. I'll forget. Oh, squirrel. Well, it's been uh, some great information. Uh, Matthew shared with everybody. Um, we got a new question for all our guests uh, this year. And can you name an influential me- mentor that's uh, influenced you to what you do today? Well, as a young kid, I would say that my, uh, I, I would not say my dad, but now growing up as an adult and talking to my dad daily, um, you know, we've, we've reinvigorated our relationship and I, you know, I, I look forward to talking to him and reminiscing and he taught me a lot going through life, even though I begrudgingly didn't like it as a kid. Um, currently in the industry, I would say Michael Bain. I, I find anytime I see Michael Bain, I love talking to him and just powwowing with him. Uh, we've had him on our show numerous times. He's a wealth of information, excitement, the stories that he runs across. I mean, it's just, it, it's amazing to talk to him and learn from him. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I consider him a friend and I hope he does I as well. And uh, I enjoy it. He's going to actually come on our show and be a guest co-host coming up soon too. Oh, that, that's uh, really cool. And uh, the great thing about all those people is you know, the history that they walk around with in their heads. The bad thing about all those people is the history they walk around in their head because they've lived so many years that, um, you know, in 10 years, I just kind of wonder how many of them, them are we going to lose? Um, and we'll have a new crop of people, hopefully yeah. just as well. But at the same time, it's, uh, you know, a lot of those names, you know, Gibbons, Bain, uh, Mossad, um, all, yeah. all of them, you know, uh, John Farnham, you know, how, how many more years do they have in uh, teaching out there? Yeah. And yeah, you know, how, how do we, how can we get the information out of their heads so it can be passed on to the next generation of instructors and students? Yeah, I, I asked uh, Moss that at, you know, when he's going to retire at Ilita a few years ago. He's like, ever well, carry me out. I think, <laughs> I think Gibbons is the same way. You know, it's it's interesting that, um, you know, that Dave Spaulding decided to, to take a step back. But, you know, good for him and good for him. I think he just had like 45 year anniversary or something that just came up. So. It's mm-hmm. time to time to spend time with the family, and that's kind of what my wife and I talked about as far as getting out there and being able to get this. I'm, I'm riding the wave. I've got a lot of interest in the classes, so for me not to be able to book my calendar if this is all I'm doing, it doesn't make sense. You know, it makes sense to try to get it out there, and the more people I can train, you know, in a faster fashion, just benefits the industry as a whole because these instructors can now go out and try to educate their students and you know it's like life or death i mean if i don't do a class in one place and then that instructor doesn't get the knowledge to just uh, you know bring that down to their students and one of their students could die because they didn't have the knowledge so in my mind i, I think that it's uh doing the you know the industry as a whole uh, a service so matthew where can people find out more about what matthew mallory is doing and uh classes you're teaching sure Public safety and education.com. That's the the main long spelled out URL or short would be PS and ed.com on all the neighbor major social media. But on, on my, my website, I have the Google Calendar, which has all the dates listed, as well as our Facebook page, has all of them up on the events. And I'm working on trying to put it up on the USCCA's uh, website as best I can, but definitely on the Google Calendar and my Facebook events is uh, where you know, what I've got going on. And then that all links back to my website for each individual registration form. How many states are you traveling to this year? Do you know? Oh, 30. 
Okay, so thir- thirty, 30. out of fifty, including uh, Alaska. I'm trying uh, to get to Hawaii. So anybody out there that's listening to your show that's in Hawaii and they like me to come, they like my my witty banter and all the stuff that I'm dishing out here. I will gladly come to Hawaii. I got to bring my wife, but you know I love my wife. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay. Well, then uh, thank you, Matthew. You have a good one and uh, stay safe, everyone. That's a wrap on this episode. We want to remind you to register weekly for our podcast giveaway to win some cool gear like a double stack, single stack magazine carrier. Visit podcast.concealedcarry.com to enter in for a weekly prize giveaway. Enter in each week for the prize giveaway because your entries do not carry over from week to week. Remember, check out our other website articles where you can search for various topics from how to get started with a website to earning extra money through affiliate marketing. You can find this all at firearmtrainerpodcast.com. If you have any ideas for new episodes, suggestions on guests to have, or feedback, please email me at ftp at concealedcarry.com. Visit our sponsors, especially the Firearm Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. Remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. We bring this podcast to support the industry. The Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.